All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms To the line, Hughes, scores! In this existence, take you to the First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season capital H capital S all one word Hockey Season and that will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. They have also recently reopened the retail store in Surrey so you can go check out Zephyr Epic Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Go follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, all of the platforms. Go check them out. They've got all of your trading card needs, whether that be Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, the NHL cards, the upper deck cards. They got Panini with the football and the basketball, all that good stuff. Zephyr Epic is your one-stop shop for it all. And also they ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 from from West Van to Winnipeg. From West Van to Winnipeg, Zephyr Epic ships free on any order over $50. So make sure you head on over to ZephyrEpic.com and check them out. We are also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. And that will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Guadrelli. I am joined remotely for the first time in a long time by the man that built the place, Chris Faber. Chris, when was the last time we did a remote episode? Like, I'm sure a listener will know, but I can't remember off the top of my head the last time we did a remote episode. The only time I can think that we might have done one was during the summertime when I went over to the island that one time, uh, which would have been like, oh man, you know, a long time ago, obviously, but yeah, it's been a hot minute. I know that uh, I'm, I'm not super proud of the way the audio sounds. Hopefully people can bear with us on this episode. It's just uh, the snow's really starting to come down tonight, uh, and it's going to be tough for me and my little car. Uh, my little Mazda 6 It's going to be tough for us to get into Burnaby, especially up the mountain there, Quads, uh, to get into the high high area where the studio is. Um, so it's, um, yeah, we're going to be recording remotely for this episode. Hopefully uh, the snow blows over, because, man, I'm getting pretty tired of the snow, like, People that wanted a, a white Christmas, I get it. I, you know, that's kind of fun. White Christmas, everything, it's great. And we had that. But now it's staying, like, super cold. The roads are brutal. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm pretty over the snow. It's going to be a tough trek just to get into work tomorrow uh, at Sportsnet 650. And, and yeah, couldn't just couldn't pull it off tonight. So we'll see how it goes. It does feel a little weird doing a, a re- remote episode. It's been a long time for sure. It has been a long time, and it was very funny you brought up 650 there because Bruce Boudreaux was on 650 today, and obviously Canuck Central debuted today with the new lineup. Uh, we wrote about the lineup on CanucksArmy.com if you want to go check that out. Our show remains unaffected on weekends, so we're still super excited to be bringing you guys that show, but Bruce Boudreaux was on 650 today, and it was very funny because... He's like, everybody told me Vancouver was so nice, and he was talking about how it's been snowy and cold since he's been here. He's like, I'll believe it when I see it, because apparently, you know, everybody's telling him our winters are way more mild than this, and we hardly get this much snow ever, and he's like, I'll believe it when I see it. So that's uh, from Bruce Boudreaux, Canucks head coach on Canucks Central today. Yeah, and I mean, it, it has been crazy. Like the, you know, it's been wild to see the, the minus 14, minus 15, like the way, the, how cold it's gotten. I don't know if it's gotten that far. Like I've seen that on the weather app, but like it's, it's probably gotten to minus 10 for sure, right? Like it, the weather app's not too wrong saying like, I think the oh, lowest I saw sure. was minus 12 on the, on the app. Yeah. I, I think it got to close to minus 14 at one point. I think that was the coldest it got. Well, either way, I'm not a fan. I, I don't know, like, I haven't fallen down walking yet, but I have probably slipped and like almost fallen. 
probably like a good 15 to 25 times. I'm wondering, like, I, I can't be pushing my luck much more. Like, I can't fall another 15 or 25 times, or I can't, like, almost fall. Like, I, I am going to fall in the next 15 to 25 times, and I don't want to fall on the ice, man. I got a lot of weight hitting the ice. Gravity is not going to do me well when that happens. So uh, I'm over it. I'm wearing, like, my most, uh, my most, I guess, tr- best traction shoes. Like, I got a lot of, uh, I'm wearing all the good running shoes in now. I'm not wearing the slippery uh, kind of lounging shoes anymore. So I- I'm trying not to slip anymore, man. I can't do any more uh, close calls here. I- I'm going to end up breaking my back, and we'll be doing the show remotely. I'll be in the hospital moving forward here. I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, please don't. That would that would suck. Uh, hospital Wi-Fi isn't reliable enough for us to carry out a whole show. Uh, but moving on right from that, I haven't fallen yet, by the way, which is pretty good. I think the last time I fell on ice or snow, I was in like grade 12 and it was when I had to walk to school, which sucked, but I think that was the last time. So I think it's been like, it's been a, been a good amount of years since I've fallen on ice, which makes me happy. Well, like grade 12 was like two years ago for you, wasn't it? So like, it hasn't really been that long. Has not been that long. Grade 12 wasn't two years ago. It was, it was longer than that, but regardless, it was more like three, four, four years. Yeah. More like okay. three or four years. Regardless, we're getting Before we get now, going, the Vancouver Canucks. Okay. Yeah, no, before we get into the Canucks, uh, I'm going to cut you off over the online, which isn't as good as me cutting you off in person. Um, guess what I got in the mail? I ordered it off eBay quads. I finally own a Barry Bonds baseball card. I, I bought three Barry Bonds baseball cards. Wow. Not rookie cards, I'm assuming. No, the rookie card doesn't really look that good, and they're actually like pretty cheap, so I'm wondering if there's like an expensive rookie card. I just got some some of like him uh with the San Francisco Giants, because that's when I like Barry Bonds, and you know that like my prized possession of sports memorabilia uh is the newspapers from when he broke the home run record. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna add to it a little bit. So I got a few of these Barry Bonds, uh just regular, I think they're just like base set cards. Like I just I like the look of them, and it's. I wanted to get him uh, in a San Francisco Giants jersey, and it was kind of hard to find. Like, there isn't a ton of Barry Bonds. Like, there's no thick Barry Bonds, you know? Like, no post-steroids Barry Bonds cards. It's all <laughs> skinny him on the Giants, and, uh, like, I'm trying to get, like, the big head and the, you know, big bulky Barry Bonds, the home run uh, record breaker, but there's no cards. Like, I can't find any Barry Bonds cards of him looking thick. They've been erased from history. People don't want, they don't want you to remember that. Well, I think that they actually like sort of have, cause do you remember baseball games like around that time after all the, the scandal around Barry Bonds and he would always be in the game, but he was just be known as like Joe Young or new player or something like that. Like they never used his what? name. So I'm wondering if there's the same thing about baseball cards, like after all of the steroid questions, like early on when he started really getting good, like. I, he was never in the video games anymore, and I wonder if it's the same thing for cards. I, I don't know exactly the reasoning behind that. I'm actually going to have to look into that. I don't remember that. I didn't even know that was the thing, that they took him out of the games. That's absurd. That's crazy. Yeah, so if you play, like, MLB 2K, I don't know, like, 2K3 or whatever it was back then, like, whatever, an old baseball game, there would be a left fielder that was really good for the San Francisco Giants, but his name was Joe Young, and he was just, like, a, a skinny guy with a... All of the traits of Barry Bonds, all the skills of Barry Bonds, but he was just known as Joe Young. Wow, that is fascinating. You learn something new every day, don't you? Well, you do. I knew that already. I haven't learned anything today yet. 
All right, well, let's teach you something. The latest news, actually, and I'm sure you've already heard this, but for the listeners that haven't, we're going to be putting this out on Wednesday evening. We're recording this at 7.30, roughly an hour after the Vancouver Canucks have placed forward Elias Pettersson into COVID protocol. Now, obviously, he's joining Brock Besser on the COVID protocol. Brock Besser, Phil DiGiuseppe, these guys that tested positive before are obviously closer to returning than Elias Pettersson. I know this doesn't sound crazy, but... Those guys did come home on a private jet, uh, a Medi jet, if you will, um, chartered by the team. And we were kind of talking about this in the last episode about how it was a little, you know, as clear as mud as when Brock Besser was going to get home and when he was going to be able to clear protocol and all that sort of stuff. Those guys are home now, so they are, you know, not practicing with the team just yet, but we're going to, I guess, just wait on updates because... You just have to see when they test negative, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of factors that play into when a player can return. So what we do know is that Elise Pedersen, assuming that he doesn't get taken out of protocol because it was a false positive or what have you, we're assuming that Elise Pedersen won't be able to play uh, in the club's game on Saturday night against the Ottawa Senators. So we're just going to kind of keep that in mind as we kind of progress with the show here. Yeah, obviously unfortunate to see anybody added to COVID protocol and to see it be Elias Pettersson's uh, tough news. Cause I think that's a player that we all wanted to see continue to uh, to build under Bruce Boudreaux. And on top of that, I think, uh, you know, the Canucks haven't really been that affected by COVID. And I think it, it's been it's been great to see the days go by where there hasn't been a name, but we need to kind of remember and don't really have to look much further than their next opponent, the Ottawa Senators, like how fast this can run through a team and you know, Pedersen's out there practicing with all the guys. It's it's just a tough situation. And I think every day that we go by where there isn't a positive case uh, needs to be looked at as a positive day, right? Like, that's that's a day that's good uh, moving forward. Positive is probably not the right word to use there. But it, it's, a, it's a great day when there's no positive cases. And unfortunately, I think that we're going to start to see a lot more in the next few days of guys testing positive. And we've seen how it runs through teams. We've seen it happen in Vancouver. We've seen it now at the Omicron with a lot of other teams. So... Yeah, just kind of hope for the best, and you hope that uh, that no more positives pop up over the next couple of days, but I wouldn't be shocked to see some for sure. Yeah, exactly. Not shocked, but again, not going to dwell on it and hope that we see some or anything like that. Like, we'll kind of update as we go. Again, all the updates will be posted on CanucksArmy.com yeah. kind of as they happen. So we, we're obviously not going to do emergency podcasts every time a player tests positive, and that's not what, even what this is. It just so happened we were going to be recording on Wednesday night, and Elias Peterson tested positive shortly before. Again, you feel for the guy, right? Like, there's all this yeah. talk, and, and again, it's like mostly the Facebook uncles. We talked about this. Um you know, the people, the casual fans talking about trading Liz Patterson and all that, we've already exhausted the conversation of why that's a bad idea. The conversation between us, Chris, has kind of shifted to why he's going to bounce back and why we think it's such a bad idea to even entertain the thought of trading him and why we think he's going to bounce back this season, why we think he's going to find success. And again, this is just another speed bump for him. And you feel for the guy, right? Like, again, this is a guy coming back from a freak wrist injury last season. And now he's, you know, dealing with this. It just sucks that he has to miss time with this. Yeah, it's unfortunate, obviously. Like, we're not going to... It's hard to almost, like, bring analysis on a player who has COVID because it's like, what can we say, right? Like, he's going to be out for at least five days now and uh, that's unfortunate because they were about to get back into action you hope that he can travel on the road when the road trip begins after this game against the Ottawa Senators uh, we'll have to see what happens but you mentioned it right like just another speed bump in uh, Elias Pettersson's season so far this year and uh, like I'm not expecting this it seems weird because it's like 
we get all these positive COVID cases, but the way that we've heard like every single one reported and, you know, even talking to Abbotsford today, uh, the only real question that they have about players returning is just like, hey, as long as they, you know, get a couple skates under them and get their cardio back after five days of having the flu, there's not really much to worry about. And you're probably going to see the same with Pedersen. I mean, hopefully it's just another five days. The flu hits him, he gets over it, gets back to work, gets back on the ice and we have no problems, but it has been a down down year and a, an unfortunate year for Pedersen. So you just hope for the best with this COVID here and hope that he can uh, get over it quickly in five days like a lot of people have. Yeah, exactly. And you're again, you're hoping that it is just like very mild, cold, flu-like symptoms uh, that he faces and that he's able to just kind of overcome it with no hitch. So all the best to Lewis Pedersen, obviously, and everybody else on the COVID list. Again, like kind of the overwhelming thing we've seen is that a lot of these players haven't actually had bad symptoms. So hopefully that just kind of continues. And that's the case for Elias Pedersen as well. And he's able to come back. Chris, I don't want to hit the intro because it's about goalie talk. Actually, yeah. You know what? Cue that intro. It's time for goalie talk. Yaroslav Halak, Chris. There's been a lot of talk about him because... It got floated, I believe, on Sakaris and Price, uh, the idea of trading Yaroslav Halak. And then Darren Drager of TSN did some reporting and did a little bit of digging, as he put it. The Canucks aren't closed off to the idea of trading Yaroslav Halak. And again, like people kind of look at this and they say, okay, well, if the Canucks trade Yaroslav Halak, who's going to be the backup? The answer is Spencer Martin, first of all. But with that... People then ask the question of, well, if Thatcher Demko goes down with an injury, the Canucks don't have a great chance in the playoffs. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I think that just kind of shows part of Jim Rutherford's process and how he's planning long term, right? Like he's talked about how any trades this team is going to make is going to be for young players and it's going to be for draft picks. This is a president of hockey operations who finally has a plan after we saw for eight long years of never actually having a plan and sticking to it, it's already looking like this new change in leadership is going to stick to their plan. The idea of trading Yaroslav Halak, it's not going to be easy, but if they are able to pull it off, the Canucks are going to be getting assets back. Like, Yaroslav Halak, especially the way he's played this season, he's a serviceable 1B goalie, and for teams that are struggling, I look at the Edmonton Oilers, who don't have a a true number one goalie, like Mike Smith coming back and getting back to where he was is the Oilers' only hope at salvaging their season, to be quite honest with you. And at 39, are you confident that Smith can do that? I'm not so sure, Chris. So the answer here is Yaroslav Halak is going to have a few suitors. Now, the big problem is he's two games away from unlocking a $1.25 million bonus that'll count against the cap next year. That is partly why that Jim Rutherford wants to trade this contract and is open to moving it. I shouldn't say wants to. I should just say that uh, it appears the Canucks are open to moving that contract at this time. And you have to think that it's all, again, part of that long-term planning. And, okay, maybe we're a bit of a weaker team if we go to the playoffs this year, but at least that cap hits off the books next year. And we don't have to worry about it long-term and we're able to get some assets back. It makes sense. Like, they are planning for the future for this team. And i got to be honest with you, Chris— it's a nice change of pace. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest. You're not that much better of a of a version of this Canucks team. If you're in the playoffs with this version of the Canucks team, you don't really need Halak unless there's an injury to Thatcher Demko. And let's be honest. Like, let's be 100% honest. This team isn't going anywhere in the playoffs if Thatcher Demko's not there. 
Like they're, exactly. they need Thatcher Demko. So to explore this option, like, you know what, you've talked about this for a long time, quads that, uh, you know, you set it up as more of kind of near the trade deadline if it was possible and if Halak was willing to move. Um, and I wonder, like, uh, he's not getting a lot of games. He's got a nice kind of setup here in Vancouver. He's playing behind a true number one. Does he want to move now that this team's got a lot of momentum? Does he want to go have a chance of being a starter somewhere? Or is he kind of just enjoying the ride in Vancouver? I, like, I'd be I'd be curious to see. Does he want to go to an American city? Because a lot of American cities have loosened up a lot more than potential, you know, other Canadian cities. Like, that's why I wonder if Edmonton's a spot where he won't take his no trade off because he's got to go live in a COVID world in Canada when you just look at cities in the United States and how much more open they are. I wonder if that might be something that he would waive his no move for because, like, I, I can see him wanting to go somewhere and be the starter, but I, I wonder if he's just so comfortable here in Vancouver with this nice and easy, relaxed role that he has. Like, obviously, the team hasn't scored for him, and that kind of sucks. But, like, aside from that, he's he's in a spot where it's nice, it's relaxed. He's He doesn't really have a lot of pressure on him, even though he's in a very a market that normally has a lot of pressure on their players. Halak's been able to skate away from it, but... I guess it's up to him, right? Like, it is really up to him if he wants to move or not. Jim Rutherford can't do really anything aside from it or whoever the GM is. And I know there's a lot of talk about a general manager coming in at some point this month. Uh, we've seen a lot of reports about that. But it's not the GM's choice. It's Halak's choice. So I think it comes down to if he does want to move and go be, you know, a true 1B instead of a backup goaltender here. Yeah, and again, this has to be a situation that makes sense for him and his family, right? Remember, this is a guy with wife and kids who are set and comfortable in Vancouver, right? They're going to have to uproot their lives if they decide to make a trade here. And if Halak decides that that's something he wants to explore, they're going to have to uproot their lives. So it's not just Halak making this decision, right? There's obviously going to be a lot of moving parts that kind of play into it all. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, Lachlan Irvin will have an article on Canucks Army about if the Canucks can actually trade Halak, and he'll dive into this a little bit further, again, with potential suitors, Vegas uh, actually being one of them. But is it okay with you if I spend a few minutes just talking about what's going on in Edmonton with their goaltenders? Just, just quickly before, as I want to wrap up with Halak, let's not forget that the cap hit is a very uh, tradable cap it right 1.25 million dollars on the cap or is it 1.5 quads on uh Yaroslav Halak yes it's 1.5 and it'll be 1.25 next year if he hits this bonus right. which he will if he's traded so the 1.5 uh we'll have to see if, if it's possible to be moved and and how that kind of works with the bonus as well with the team that's trading for him it would have to be interesting as well so I I don't think it ultimately gets done to be 100% honest man I just think there's too many like, I, I would say moving parts, but it feels like there's too many non-moving parts here uh, to really get Halak on the on the trade block and actually being swapped for someone else unless he just really wants to go somewhere else and be, have a chance of being the 1A uh, instead of the real true backup here in Vancouver. But uh, 4-2, the Toronto Maple Leafs over the uh, Edmonton Oilers quads. Mike Smith came back. Uh, he kicked a puck into his own net at one point in the game tonight. But you want to go off on uh, Koskinen or something, right? No, I, I more so want to talk about just how the Oilers have shot themselves in the foot and blamed it on Miko Koskinen. Like, again, Dave Tippett last night was talking about how his goaltender wasn't very good, but tonight with Smith and Net, who literally scored a goal on himself, he comes out and says, yeah, he gave us a chance to win. He was really good. Honestly, Koskinen hasn't been as bad as everybody thinks, and he's had a, he did have a very tough month of December. There is absolutely no denying that, Chris, but... 
like I don't really know how else to put it other than this isn't on Miko Koskinen, right? Like this is the team that decided that Stuart Skinner wasn't NHL ready after he showed well when Mike Smith went down. This is the team that didn't give Mike Smith an AHL conditioning stint. And he came back right after an injury and let in six goals, including a weak overtime winner. That was his first chance of getting pucks on him in game action was that game where they lost in overtime. And to come out and blame it on Miko Koskinen, I just, I thought that was just pretty uncalled for from Dave Tippett, to be quite honest with you. And honestly, I, I think it's just a long, it, it, it's another chapter in a long series of the Oilers shooting themselves in the foot with their goaltending department, right? Like, they haven't had a true franchise number one goaltender in goodness knows how long. And they're just, I don't know, like their their only chance at salvaging their season, aside from making a trade, obviously, uh, for a better goaltender, is that Mike Smith just bounces back. But he's had a tough go lately. Like, he's 39, right? And I'm not saying that I don't think he can do it, but I'm also saying, like, that's poor roster construction if that's your plan, that you're looking at, Oh, we really need Mike Smith to bounce back to save this season. That's that's on the that's on the team. That's on the organization. That's not on Miko Koskinen. And that's just kind of the point I wanted to make as we kind of look across the Pacific Division. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't like. It's funny. There's so much talk about uh, the Edmonton Oilers lately. Like I know even like I was producing at 6:50 the other day, and we had like multiple Oilers guests on uh, throughout the day. I. I just find it, uh, like, I, f- I don't know, I just find it good. Like, it's good for the Canucks. They're three points back of the Oilers now with the same amount of games played. Like, you know, let the Canucks cook, man. That's what I, that's the only thing I've been saying about the Oilers all the time. Like, I've, I love watching the Oilers fall apart. You know, I hate the Oily boys. Like, people, people say that the, you know, the Flames are like a, a rival of the Canucks. To me, it's those freaking Oily boys out there in Edmonton. Let it burn in Edmonton. I don't care. I, I like watching Edmonton fail. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Um do we have it's any like, other But Canucks I don't understand that- everybody like cares so much about the Oilers right now. And it's like I get that they're falling apart, but it's not like they were the best team in the Pacific. Like they started off as the best team in the Pacific, but I don't think anyone was like, Oh yeah, this is sustainable. Like they 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 expected to be one of the better teams of the Pacific, but this this type of like losing streak through ten games, like it doesn't shock me that the Oilers are falling off like this. They have a team like that where when McDavid and and Drysdale aren't performing, they're not a great team. And now with McDavid going into COVID protocol, like, yeesh, bro. Like, they're in trouble for sure. Yeah, they are. And I think the reason that people are talking about and the reason it's something close to watch is the question on everybody's mind is how much longer is Connor McDavid going to put up with that, right? Like, at what point does the best player in the sport ask out? Is there a point? Everybody has a breaking point, right? And I'm not saying that I think McDavid's going to ask for a trade, but... That would rock the hockey world, and I think people, that's kind of the underlying thing here, is just people want to kind of know, you know, is that something that could happen, and what's what's the breaking point, are we getting close to it, and I think that's why people pay such close attention to it. We'll cut to break, we'll get to the poll question on the other side, and then on the other side we've got a lot more to talk about as well, so keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. We are off into a new year of 2022. But one of the best beers is still an old classic at Parallel 49. Take home the Unparalleled Pack today, which features four of their favorites, the Trash Panda, Filthy Dirty, Jerkface 9000, and Hillbilly Ninja. Take home the Unparalleled Pack from Parallel 49 today. You can find it in local British Columbia liquor stores, as well as private liquor stores across Western Canada. And a massive thank you to... All of our sponsors here at the Canucks 
conversation podcast. Whoa, took me a second there, Chris. Almost forgot that we weren't on Sportsnet right now. But you have our poll question. Give us the poll question, Chris. Yeah, uh, we we normally have a poll question on Sportsnet. Well, we haven't done one last couple of shows, but uh, we'll be back this weekend. We'll get back to our poll questions there. But let's get to our poll question. You can find at Canucks Convo on Twitter. Our episode 227, Your Business Here poll question. That's right. Your business could be here in this poll question. Send us a DM. Uh, the question is, who will finish the season with the most goals? Option one, Brock Besser. Option two, JT Miller. Option three, Bo Horvat. Or option four, Miko Koskinen slash I'm angry. Quads, who will finish the season with the most goals out of that group? I voted JT Miller, Chris. And I voted JT Miller because he's just so dominant. And he's been so consistent this season, right? And I think as the Canucks continue to ride this hot streak and you kind of are watching to see who falls off and... The big questions, I guess, are, is Thatcher Demko going to keep playing the way he is? Uh, is Brock Besser going to come back and start scoring again? Um, is the defense going to be able to hold up? Again, the big question there is Thatcher Demko, is he going to be able to kind of keep it up through all of this time? And I think one thing that I'm pretty confident in saying is that JT Miller is going to be one of the constants throughout, right? Like, I don't think you're going to see a drop-off in play from JT Miller. I think this is what JT Miller is going to give you, and you know what you're getting from him every single night. So I said JT Miller. Yeah, I mean, very good reasons behind it, of course. I, I, I'm I going to go with Brock Besser. I know that this isn't an injury that's kept him out of the last few games, but it's it's been COVID. Um, but when he gets back, like, he was scoring just at a, at a such a better just more confidence behind him. He's scoring at a higher clip under Bruce Boudreaux, and it was a good start for him under Boudreaux. And I think that Boudreaux looks at him as the team's goal scorer, right? Especially after getting a run in these first nine games for Boudreaux. I know he hasn't had Besser in all of them, but in all the games that he did have Brock Besser, he was the guy scoring the goals, right? Like JT Miller is absolutely contributed offensively as well. But to me, it's Brock Besser. And I think uh, even though he's a couple goals back, I think once he gets back and gets going and like, I love seeing a Brock Besser that's, you know, attempting almost 10 shots a game. Like, do you remember in the playoff in the bubble, how much people were talking about Kevin Fiala, uh, about how much of a good score he was. And he was, he was getting stuff, something like 22 shot attempts in those games against the Vancouver Canucks. I want to see Brock Besser have a night or two like that, like where Besser is getting 20 shot attempts in a game. Like, could you imagine that? Because it is a serious possibility for a guy who's confident in his own shot and wants to shoot the puck every time it's on his stick. We just haven't seen Brock Besser get to that level of being that confident with the puck. But I think when it comes, if you start to see some games where Besser's getting like 15 shot attempts, 16 shot attempts, starts to get up near 20, that that's going to be a dangerous Brock Besser. And I think we're going to find that dangerous Brock Besser under Bruce Boudreaux. So I'm going to go with Besser, uh, who's got 24% of the vote right now. Uh, JT Miller's coming in with 54% of the vote. Bo Horvat's got 8% of the vote. And Miko Koskinen slash I'm angry has 14% of the vote. So not a lot of love for Bo Horvat here, quads. And I, I don't know if that's unfair because... Like, Bohorvat's a decent scorer, but he just hasn't been as consistent as Miller, and he doesn't have the recent recency bias of Besser, right? So, I don't know if that's unfair to Horvat. I, I think I'm, I'm pretty confident in my decision to say Miller, and I think having Besser at two is not, not so much an indictment on Horvat. I think it's just where the belief meter is at 
for Brock Besser right now. I think people believe that Brock Besser is going to come back and he's going to be an effective scorer once again. If you could go off the board on this list, who are you picking? Um, you got options like Connor Garland, who already has 10 goals. You have Niels Huglander has eight goals. Um, who else? I mean, you go with Elias Pettersson. He's down at six right now. Vasily Pod Colson. Uh, he's coming in with, uh, how many goals does Pod Colson have? Seven at this point? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, you got some options. Would you, where would you go if guys off this list? Do you think Connor Garland just kind of leads the way? He's got double digits already. Uh, does he finish more than Pettersson, Huglander, and Pod Colson this year? Definitely Pod Colson, because again, like, Pod Colson's power play time is just too limited. Like, it's great he's scoring at five on five, but, you're obviously not going to lead your team in goals or get even close to it if you're only scoring at even strength because it's the only position you're being put into to score. Now, Connor Garland, yeah. I guess, is the interesting one there because he does get power play time, but a lot of it is on power play too. So, again, like I don't think Connor Garland's going to finish the season with more goals than Besser or Miller, right? And, or Horvat, for that matter. But I do think he's an effective scorer, and I do think that he's probably going to reach 20 goals. Again, I don't want to go stake a claim to it, but if I have to pick an off-the-pole off the result, like a little write-in vote here, it's probably Connor Garland. I think you're right. But again, like I wouldn't replace huh. one of the three guys in front of, in front of him on our poll uh, with Connor Garland. It's interesting because Garland leads a team. He's got nine even-strength goals. That leads the, the Vancouver Canucks. Pod Colson's got seven. That's tied for second. But... I noticed that you don't mention Pedersen there. Do you think Connor Garland finishes with more goals than Elias Pedersen this year? That's a really good question. I, I do, actually. So good. let me set it up for you. Gar- yeah, so Garland has 10 goals right now. Pedersen has 6 goals right now. Pedersen only has 2 goals at even strength uh, at this point in the season, 34 games in. Connor Garland, like I just said, leading the team with 9 at even strength. So uh, it's very plausible to think that Connor Garland does finish the year with more goals than Elias Patterson. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I I really don't. And yeah, I don't I don't know if that's like again an indictment on Patterson, but I think he would just everybody wants to see this kid succeed, right? Everybody wants to see him come back and everybody wants to see him find that level of success again. And Bruce Boudreaux pointed something out in a recent press conference, Chris. He was saying, like, look at what we're doing when Patterson's hurt. And granted, the Canucks haven't played against top teams like they will in January, but He's like, look what we're doing against against these teams with without our best guy firing on all cylinders. Once Pedersen gets going, if that happens this season, like the Canucks are going to be quite a force to be reckoned with, right? Like that's a that's a player that has proven that he can score in the playoffs. That you're just getting back, presumably at the deadline, right? Like it's almost like you're having a deadline addition without having to pay up anything. Yeah, I think of it as like when you get Pedersen back to his form. Think of like a 12-game stretch where Pedersen scores, let's say, eight goals, right? Like that would be a good, really good stretch for Pedersen. And that that is what we kind of expect during a good stretch of Elias Pedersen. Just like adding eight goals to your team over 12 games, like that's a huge boost to to really getting some wins out of the out of a dozen games in that situation. So I, I'm with you, and I've heard Boudreaux kind of say that as well. Just like, you know, once Pedersen does get going, if that's your best player and your best scorer, and you can get him back to being at that level... Yeah, the the team starts to look pretty dangerous, especially with uh, with the defense core playing so good as well, Quaz. Which I know uh, your big article that you've been working on about uh, Tyler Myers dropped today. You got to uh, head on Halford and Bruff this morning as well to uh, to spill the knowledge and and tell the truths behind Tyler Myers uh, throwing the chaos around the ice. Do you want to maybe just touch on the defense core a little bit before I get to Abbotsford? 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Tyler Myers because my Myers Manifesto, as I called it, dropped this morning on Connect Army. Please go read it. Actually, it dropped Tuesday morning. But yeah, go give it a read. I, I think it was a pretty well laid out article. I actually spoke with uh, the boy genius himself, Harmon Dial, and J.D. Burke actually took a look at it too. Uh, so big shouts to those guys for uh, bearing with me and reading an entire article about Tyler Myers. Um, but I guess the big thing is just I was talking to him about how this is his best season, right? Like, obviously, it's hard to top a Calder trophy season. But again, when I say best season, I mean in terms of what he's being asked to do defensively and the results he's getting despite having those tough matchups. And I think the way I look at Tyler Myers, Chris, is that he's been grossly miscast as a number one shutdown defenseman. He's not Chris Tanev, but the Canucks are having to deploy him as Chris Tanev because they have Tucker Pullman and Travis Hamanick behind him that's not good enough the right side is not good enough again I'm I'm preaching to the choir here I know all of our listeners know this but Tyler Myers isn't a number one defenseman and he shouldn't have to be right like when Tyler Myers is at his best at you know this season not included because he's totally changed his mindset and we'll get into that in a second here but when Tyler Myers is at his best traditionally it's when he's in a bit of a lesser role and he's able to have free reign with the puck and he's able to move the puck and play offensively because he's an offensively gifted defenseman. Now, he's not getting power play time, much like Oliver ekman Larson, who, again, we will touch on shortly, but he is playing really well right now. Like He's he's getting some of the toughest matchups of any defenseman in the league. And again, remember, he's not supposed to be a shutdown defenseman. That's not his forte. But right now, he's limiting shots at a rate that's the lowest of his career. The, the, the goals, um, the goals against is at the lowest rate of his career. Uh, again, that's the goals against per 60, uh, as per natural stat trick. But I, I, I'm honestly like blown away with the season that he's having. And again, like I didn't really see it coming, even though I was always a big supporter of him. Um, you know, I still, every time he makes a mistake, everybody in the press box turns and looks at me, which I'm okay with. Uh, I've, I've kind of become the Myers beat reporter, uh, as we used to joke around that I was the Quinn Hughes beat reporter. It's now, I'm now the Myers beat reporter, I suppose. So I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, like again, I talked to Bruce Boudreau about it. And, you know, as somebody on the outside looking in, Boudreau even said, he's like, right now he's playing like the guy that the Canucks thought they were getting when they signed him, which was like, a crazy quote that I was, I was excited that Boudreaux said that to me. Um, so I basically said that to Myers. I said, this is what Bruce said. How do you feel about it? And he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, I would say that. Um, I feel this is my best season with the Canucks. And then, you know, he didn't get into it too much, but he said there's like a lot of moving factors, but just the where my game is at right now, I really like where it's at. So that's, that's kind of what Myers said to me when I was talking to him, uh, for this story. And, yeah, like I said, he he's playing really well, and a big part of it is just a change in mindset. The quote from Myers that I have, I have it here. He said, I came into this year with the approach of letting the game come to me more than I have in any other years that I've played, and I think it's really helped. I just want to keep carrying on with that mindset going forward. And to me, that's just the sign of a guy who kind of recognized that with the offseason acquisitions the Canucks made, there wasn't going to be much help for him and he needed to be better this year for this hockey club than he was last season. And everybody needed to be better than they were last season, right? But again, we talk a lot about Quinn Hughes and his down year. Tyler Myers had a down year as well. It was a year that was a decline from his first years of Vancouver Canucks, which also wasn't a great first season. So for him to be turning in the season that he is now, uh, it's a great sign and hopefully he can keep it up. 
I guess what the question that everybody has about Tyler Myers as well is like, yeah, it's been a great first 34 games of the season for him when you look at what we've seen over the past little bit, but is it sustainable with him? And Quads, you mentioned a couple things that are really important here with, you know, expected goals per 60 being at the lowest that it has under uh, the Vancouver Canucks so far, which is great because in his first year, I thought he put up good numbers, but the expected goals was still pretty high. Uh, the goals against, though, you mentioned at 1.9 per 60 is the lowest of his career aside from one year in Winnipeg, but like how sustainable is this quads? Cause it's not, when I look at this and I see the goals against at 1.9, but the expected goals against at 2.4 and that's per 60 minutes, that doesn't seem sustainable. But then I look at PDO and I look at other things and it, and it feels like it could be sustainable uh, for Myers moving forward. So how sustainable is the play right now throughout the season? Do you think it's going to continue on this path? I don't think he's going to continue to, improve his career best numbers but I also don't think if he comes back down it's going to be to the level that we've seen in his first two years as a Canuck I really do think a change in philosophy is paying dividends for him and kind of restructuring his game because like you know like I said like at 31 years old you're not improving physically but you can improve your mindset and you can improve uh, how you think the game with that experience, right? Like with the added experience and the age, you're not going to improve physically, but you are going to improve on knowing things that are going to happen. And you, you, you get a little bit better at reading plays, that sort of thing with experience, right? So I do think a change of philosophy has definitely helped Myers. Um, maybe he comes back down to earth potentially because listen, he's had hot streaks in his career before. It's just... This isn't a matter of, oh, Bruce Boudreaux came to town and Tyler Myers figured it out. This has been happening since Travis Green was behind the bench. Like, Tyler Myers has been good all season long. I think it's just been kind of highlighted a bit more under Boudreaux because Boudreaux's been pretty honest. Almost, like, he's done everything but say, yeah, when I was on the outside, I kind of thought Myers sucked. But once I got here, I, I, he's playing He's playing a lot better for us uh, than I thought he would. Like, he's done everything but say that uh, publicly. So, again, I, I don't think it's unsustainable but I don't know if if the level we're seeing right now is necessarily sustainable or if it's going to improve I think he can stay somewhat near this level I don't think it's going to be um he's going to fall off to the level we saw in past years I wonder about so the guy that he's played 60 percent of his ice time with as defense partner is Oliver Ekman Larson for me quads it's like you look at both those guys and I think we talked about this in the offseason a lot was like Hey, listen, that pairing is going to be a tire fire in their own zone. We are super worried about what they were going to be able to do defending, but it feels like there's some sort of balance that's been found by two guys who have been around the NHL a little bit where they both want to be offensive players, but I don't know, something about them playing together, it almost like they both are very aware that they need to be playing defense better than they have in the past because they aren't, neither one of the guys is really the puck mover on the pairing. It just feels like, you know, something about them working together. They've done a pretty good job of being able to to play defense. I think really shocking everyone about that pairing is how well they've played defense and been able to kind of use hockey IQ to help them in that department. Yeah, and the stat from Elliot Friedman, obviously, uh, I think it was Oliver Ekman Larson is the only skater who's played over 500 minutes of even strength ice time or five on five ice time, excuse me, and hasn't allowed over 10 goals. Uh, while on the ice that's again that that is also because Thatcher Demko is playing behind him but that is also because let's not forget here like Oliver Ekman Larson is a world-class hockey IQ defenseman here like yes he's a two-way defenseman but his defensive capabilities 
have been downright shocking, I think, and his ability to read plays. Like, how many times have we seen a play developing and Ekman Larson's in position to shut it down before it even happens? The foot speed obviously isn't what it used to be, and, you know, that's that's natural with age and injuries, but his IQ is on full display this year, right? And for a guy like Myers, whose defensive IQ is certainly not something that has ever been highly touted at any point during his career... I wonder if there's an effect of playing with Oliver Ekman Larson if, cause like Meyer said, there's a lot of factors. I wonder if one of those factors is just talking shop with the guy, right? Like talking to your defense partner and saying like, how do you see things? Because listen, like when Chris Tanev and Quinn Hughes were paired together, they talked a lot about how they would even go out to like dinners and stuff and they'd always be talking to each other about what they're seeing out there and trying to feed off each other and learn from each other, right? And I think, I think we're potentially seeing the same thing right before our eyes between Myers and OEL. Yeah, some veteran, uh, some veterans working together it has worked. Like uh, <laughs> against all odds, against all J Fresh uh, cards, it has worked out uh, so far for Myers and OEL. And we'll see. We'll see if it's sustainable for another forty-five plus games here uh, to wrap up the season. Anything else you wanted to uh, quickly throw in on the defense quads, or you want the? Uh, AHL stuff now. No, hit us with that prospects report and let's get out of here. Perfect. Uh, so prospects report. Abbotsford Canucks is where we're going to go for this one. The the Abbotsford Canucks, they're going to play four games in the next five nights. Uh, starting on Thursday, it's going to be interesting to see how that one uh, plays out. I know that, you know, speaking to Trent Cull today, I wouldn't say that Trent Cull is worried, but, um, I, I, you know, worried might be actually the right word to use here. He's not very... Uh, confident in the group going into this this is a team that's just getting players back like thursday morning before they take their their game day skate there's a couple players that are going to be returning to the lineup from covid at that point they still don't have a full roster of healthy guys as of today on wednesday as we're recording this they signed a couple of new players as well um so it's it's going to be a weird few days here and i guess a couple things just to report from that specifically talking about prospects uh, I guess I'll start with the injuries. So Jet Wu is back. He is going to be skating with the with the. He's already been skating with the Abbotsford Canucks. He'll be playing on Thursday, Friday, hopefully Sunday and Monday as well. All four of those games. Chase Waters is healthy from the injury that he had before, but uh, it sounds like COVID. He didn't. Trent didn't say exactly that it was COVID, but he said there's certain things keeping him away from the team currently. You can put the pieces together there and understand it at that point. Uh, Carol Plastic, who a lot of people forgot about, he's out of his walking boot, which is exciting. Uh, the last we heard about Carol Plastic was that uh, when Abbotsford was flooding, he was at the hotel uh, with Castle Fun Park. He was staying there, and that place flooded. We saw the pictures, obviously, uh, and an Abbotsford family just driving by was there to help him uh, as he was in his walking boot to get all the stuff out of that hotel and up to a higher ground to avoid the flooding. Uh, and then the big one is Jack Rathbone. He's not going to play on Thursday or Friday, still uh, nursing an injury coming back. He's been on the ice, though. Like, it's not COVID-related with Rathbone. He's good to go on the ice for practice, but he's still not a full participant. He will be a game-time decision uh, for Sunday and Monday's game. And some interesting stuff uh, from Cole about Klimovich. Like, I thought it was kind of funny. He was saying that... Uh, Call that is was saying that like, Kalimovich has been watching a lot of movies in English and his his English has actually been improving quite a bit. The quote that quote that Call said was that uh, it's surprising how quickly he's picked it up now that they're just talking English, like they're just having English conversations, uh, which is great. Uh, so that's good to hear with Kalimovich kind of getting used to Abbotsford and North America in his own. Uh, then the final thing, Sheldon Rempel has been added to the taxi squad. And I think a great choice to go onto the taxi squad. This is a guy who does an excellent job of creating offense and driving offense 
in the AHL might be the best offensive driver in the AHL right now this season for the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, he's a guy who's got some NHL experience in with, I believe, the Carolina Hurricanes last year. Uh, and a former Nanaimo Clipper. So shout out to Rempel. I, I hope that he gets an opportunity to uh, to show what he can do. Because in, in Abbotsford, he's a guy who you see all these highlight goals, whether it be like DiGiuseppe or Dries uh, or Bailey, whoever's scoring these goals. The guy who's like setting it up more times than not happens to be Sheldon Rempel. So uh, excited for the kid to, uh, to get an opportunity. Local kid. Uh, grew up playing in the BCHL, like I mentioned, with the Nanaimo Clippers. A young Chris Faber used to go to the Landlubber. Uh, before drink about six to eight beers, go down to Frank Crane Arena, have about six to eight more, and I'd watch Sheldon Rempel light it up. Never knew who he was because I didn't uh, follow the Clippers that closely, but I remember this one guy was always lighting it up. Uh, turns out it's Sheldon Rempel. Uh, so now we, you know, now we're uh, a few years later down the road, and uh, he's doing it for the AHL team, and hopefully get an opportunity here on the Taxi Squad. So uh, that's our AHL report quads. I'm excited to uh, to see some hockey. I know that we won't have a lot of Vancouver Canucks, but it's funny the next five days for me. I will be watching Canucks hockey uh, for the next five days being Abbotsford. And then uh, the one game on Saturday, which is the day off for Abbotsford, uh, we'll have the Vancouver Canucks and Ottawa Senators, I hope. Like, as we wrap up here, I'll throw it back to you, Quads. But do you do you think that you're pretty confident this game's going to be played between Ottawa and Vancouver here? Because I know there's been a couple questions out there and people were freaking out when they uh, saw their tickets got to, uh, refunded or taken away off a of Ticketmaster. Yeah, I... It's tough to say, like, I don't want to stake a claim here. I mean, I think it's going to happen for the main reason of, you know, like, the reason there was cancellations was because the NHL kind of saw capacity limits and wanted to, you know, minimize the amount of games they were playing in front of buildings that had any sort of capacity limits. But Ottawa has zero fans in the stands, and... For the Canucks, they have 50%. So I think the NHL is kind of looking at this and saying, okay, we can afford to have one game. It's a Hockey Night in Canada game. It's a Saturday night. You know, it's important that we play this game. And I think that's kind of how they're looking at it. Again, the big question now here is with Elias Pettersson testing positive, who else is going to test positive, right? And I think that'll give us a better uh, a better picture. And again, we'll have another podcast on Saturday morning, so we'll have a much better idea of uh, exactly... Um, kind of the picture of uh, what it's going to look like. But as of right now, Chris, I'm going to say, yeah, I think they play this game on Saturday night. Yeah, well, I'm excited for it, too. I'm excited for that podcast, too. I'm not a huge fan of doing the uh, remote podcast, and the snow has uh, kept us apart, quads. I'm excited to get back uh, on Friday, and we'll have a show on Saturday on Sportsnet 650 as well. So we'll have a podcast and a radio show uh, on Saturday ahead of, hopefully, the Ottawa Senators game. And you mentioned it. We'll, We'll know a lot more by the time we're recording on Friday night for the next episode of this show here. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's a good time to close it out, Chris. Uh, it was fun doing a remote episode. Let's try not to do it again. It'd be great to do it in person. So listeners, uh, we appreciate you listening and we appreciate you bearing with us as we uh, do a remote episode. Uh, we'll have our regular audio quality back, uh, hopefully, for the Saturday episode. So thank you for bearing with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I saw someone the other day wrote, I finally learned how to write a review. So here's your five-star review. We really appreciate that. Go ahead and leave us a review there. And again, we will have some Patreon content coming in the next few weeks. Uh, it's just, it's obviously been a busy time, but we're going to get back at it and we're super excited. So patreon.com slash Canucks combo five and $10 tiers gets you all of the bonus content for Chris Faber. My name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks conversation delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. 
How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.